the government is finally out with a set of rules to protect your data and mine. Tons of our personal, medical, financial information that we share on the internet every single day will now be more secure. The data protection bill was passed last week after years of consultation, debates and a massive set of amendments. So now, a Facebook or Google will have to ask you if you want your personal data shared. If you say no, they'll have to protect it. Because children use the internet a lot, their data will now be protected also. Which means not shared without consent from their parents. Also, your data cannot be transferred to countries where the government does not want it to go. And of course, there are hefty penalties, as high as 250 crore rupees for companies that do not report data breaches. My colleagues Surbi Agarwal and Ashish Aryan, ET's tech boss and tech ace respectively, caught up with the man who's at the helm of affairs as far as data, tech and IT in the country is concerned, Minister Ashwini Vaishnav. Together they asked the minister about the data protection bill, its implications and its planned implementation. Keep listening to this weekend special exclusive interview on a topic each one of us should have questions about. It's Saturday, the 12th of August. I'm Anirban Chaudhary and this is The Morning Brief. Surbi, hi. Welcome to The Morning Brief. Hi, Anirban. So, so much has been said and unsaid and crossed and withdrawn and debated on the data protection bill, right? Yeah, absolutely, Anirban. Like I uh, keep joking internally, you know, half my reporting life has uh, gone into possibly reporting on a privacy law, the very evasive privacy law, which is finally, I guess, um, passed by both the House of the Parliament and will be a legislation very soon. I remember it was in 2010 when uh, we first wrote about the fact that India is looking at a privacy law. And that was uh, just a year after Aadhaar massive identity program was launched and it was realized that India doesn't have a privacy law and we are at the throes of this revolution where a lot of data will be collected by the government and other internet companies, social media companies. So it is very important to protect privacy of Indians. And since 2010 to 2023, we have seen multiple drafts and redrafts and uh, versions of the data uh, protection bill. But finally, uh, this particular version, this particular draft, is reality and it's actually a very momentous occasion for India, which is the world's largest internet market after China with almost 800 million mobile internet users to have a privacy law. We should have had it many, many years ago, but it's great that we finally have it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So when you met Minister Vaishnav recently, you know, he's he's also said so much. You've spoken to him so many times. In a nutshell, you know, what were the sort of unexplored areas that you wanted the minister to cover when you spoke to him? Sure, Anirban. So there are multiple facets to this bill, to this law. You know, one is, what does it mean for user privacy? People like you and me, we share so much of data with the government, with social media companies, with the so many apps that we use, sometimes even in offline registers, outside offices or outside gyms and things like that, right? The other aspect is, what does it mean for companies operating in India? Because like I said, India is such a huge internet market that every company, every app, every internet platform wants to be in India. And they already have a lot of data of Indian. So what does it mean for them? 
right? And secondly, it also has a lot of geopolitical as well as trade impact. Because if you would remember, the Indian IT industry has been asking for a privacy law for a long, long time. Because there are some countries, for example, Europe, who mandate that there are country where the data of their companies is going to should have a privacy law for them to give adequacy. Now, it's a very technical concept. In simple terms, it means that if, for example, you are a big bank and uh, Infosys is processing your data by bringing it back to India, then does India has enough safeguards in place to protect that data from misuse? And that determines whether these companies do business with Indian IT companies or not. So those are some of the broad areas where this bill is going to have a huge bearing when it comes to user privacy. What does it mean for companies? What does it mean for industry? So these are some of the areas which I wanted to explore with the minister. And uh, obviously, there is some criticism of the bill, which includes the fact that government has had taken some liberties in terms of some exemptions that it has cast for itself. There are some concerns about the impact that will have on RTI. There are also some provisions which have been added at the last minute. And one of the biggest ones is that if there is a data breach more than twice by a company, the government may have the option of completely blocking that platform. Now, while it might help in addressing the issue of repeat offenders, it could be also misused. Uh, maybe sometimes the government is trying to have its way. So I wanted to discuss all of that with the IT minister and get his views on some of these issues. So, did Minister Vaishnav address these questions? For that, let's listen to this interview. I know it's been a very, very hectic day for you, but thank you so much, Mr. Vaishnav, for sitting down for this interview with me and Ashish. I would like to start by asking you that if you had to explain to our listeners, maybe in a nutshell, that what are the three big changes that the Data Protection Bill will bring about? What would you say? First major change that will happen is there will be a significant behavioral change in the organizations that collect data and that process data. They will uh, implement a variety of protection mechanisms which help them comply with the law. Right. That is first. Second, the sharing of data which happens between organizations, that will change. That will certainly change. Mm -hmm. Third big thing that will happen is people will start looking at Indian languages more seriously because okay. the law provides that every notice, every concern, every form should be available in the 22 languages of the 8th schedule of constituency. Even the grievance redressal mechanism will get streamlined and the seriousness about protecting personal data will come. You know, when it comes to India, it's already considered to be the tech powerhouse of the world, right? India is already the IT pack office and we already regarded as one of the largest data markets. What does this data protection bill mean for India, which is already a tech powerhouse in terms of furthering its business or protection of users? What does it mean for the companies operating in India? What does it mean for companies that are operating from India and servicing global clients? It will mean a lot for the Indian IT industry. Indian IT industry will find better traction all over the world now. There were many instances where the global customers of the IT industry were saying that, okay, do you have a proper data protection regime? So this, this law will now help the Indian IT industry, one. Second, this will also make the 
global social media platforms accountable they will also be bound by the same rules that indian companies will be bound by so they will also become more accountable they will also have to implement the measures for protection of the personal data so there will be significant changes in their way of working us right i also wanted to understand from you that you know when it comes to technologies like ai and quantum and ai especially has been the talk of the town the recent biggest buzzword but what does the bill mean for technologies like that especially given the fact that they are rapidly changing and india has a very vibrant startup ecosystem so if you could talk a little bit about how will the bill sort of enable our startups our companies to get an edge over their say international rivals and further cement india's position as uh, the tech capital of the world this definitely gives an advantage to the indian companies who are working for global business because now the global business will find india as a significantly better uh, significantly more trusted geography right so that will that will give more opportunities you want to go next ashish going ahead what sort of implementation broad framework do you see in whatever time that you plan implementation will be very fast they should see the rollout happening within next few months and what kind of framework will be these because the company so there will be only and only one room you have seen the law is very simple very neatly drafted right. exactly the same way the rule book also will be very simple there won't be a multitude of uh, layers of regulation one simple rule book the implementation structure this entire uh, digital by design structure that we are saying that we have put in the bill right work has already started on that so that will be rolled out in the coming months and would it be fair to say that the approach that you have taken while framing this law is that we'll have a framework and not exact guidelines or prescriptive guidelines so that it becomes very difficult you know as and when technology changes can the same be expected of the rules also is that in our legal system in our constitutional system rules are always in line with the law right they cannot go beyond the law right they have to be within the four walls set by the law so the rules will also be exactly simple very straightforward very easy to implement what are the rules to be made are very clearly defined in the law great so thanks for um, explaining it so well i just wanted to touch a little bit about the concerns that have been raised about this bill and uh, i'm sure you are aware there are a lot of concerns that were raised by the opposition parties there have been concerns which have been raised by the industry as well as in experts relating to the exemptions that the government has sought for itself there are also some concerns about what would be its impact on the RTI act for example so could you talk a little bit about that and sort of clear the air on what does it mean going forward the experts and the industry participants and the legal experts they have all said that the law is very robust it meets all the global standards it's only the opposition which tries to create some confusion see the exemptions for government are exactly in the framework of the constitution if you look at uh, gdpr there are 16 exemptions gdpr provides exemptions for things like national security defense public security criminal investigation mm. prevention of threats to public security economic or financial interest of the union monetary budgetary and taxation matters public health and social security matters 
There are so many exemptions within the GDPR 16, if you count them. Compared to that, our exemptions are very few, very precise, and absolutely in line with the Constitution. So there is no question of excessive exemptions for the government, first. Second, the RTI matter which some people have tried to create, as and when the Supreme Court gave the Puttaswamy judgment, the right to privacy became fundamental right immediately after that. So obviously, there has to be a consonance between the right to privacy and the right to information. If there is a contradiction, that contradiction has to be corrected. That is what we have done by making that small amendment in the Section 8J of RTI Act. That doesn't prevent any public official or representative to hide any information which is required to be produced by law. I'll give you one example. If today one person goes to a block development officer and says that I had given this application for a Pradhan Mantri Avas Yojana house, what is the status of my application? Can the BDO uh, deny that information after this amendment? No. If some public officer or a public representative is required to disclose the date of birth, address and other personal details in the affidavit, can this amendment prevent? Hmm. No. Okay. okay. So it's very clear. I think the experts are very clear. The lawyers are very clear. It's only some uh, opposition people who are trying to create a confusion. Just one last question. There has been a lot of criticism that because the government is the largest data fiduciary that there is, there should be additional safeguards when it comes to government itself collecting those data or managing those data. How would you respond to that? See, the government will be fully, fully cognizant of the requirements of data protection. Right. Government has been and will continue to remain so. And uh, the grievance redressal mechanism, the data protection board, the TD set appeal, and the Supreme Court, finally, this entire thing will be applicable to everybody, including them. So, would it be fair to say that once the bill becomes, like it has been passed and becomes law after it is notified, the onus on government agencies to keep the data even more secure than they have been? The onus on every person, every entity who collects citizens' personal data remain and will increase after the passing. Well, that was crisp, just like the bill, right? Yeah, certainly. So as someone who is, well, not as deeply as you guys, but somewhat explored this topic over the over two episodes in the morning brief, actually, there are some questions whose answers are uh, still a little unclear to me. And let me ask you these. So, for example... Is our so-called public data, which is not personal, mm -hmm. that we consent to put on the website, is that also protected, like say it is in Europe's GDPR, which you refer to as well and, and the minister did too in your interview? So Anubhan, first of all, let me just clarify that this covers all and every data that you put in, whether mm. it, it is an Indian company, whether it's a foreign website. So one of the, something that, sets out this bill apart from others is that the jurisdiction of this bill extends beyond India, which means that it covers the data of Indians, not just in India, but even outside. So the point is, which is what I was making earlier, that there are so many international companies which operate in India, have access to data of Indians. 
So the protection of data even extends to where that company is operating from, right? Be it a Singapore or a United States and things like that. So when it comes to your question of whether the data that you key in on a website is protected, of course. And what this bill does is that it does not just protect that data. It also mandates how much data can you collect. For example, if you are using a website for say an e-commerce transaction and the sort of rules will define on what all data or e-commerce website should collect. Now, an e-commerce website should be possibly have your name, your address and your mobile phone, right? Beyond that, I mean, if I could say this, it's none of their business to know uh, where you work or what is your age or who else is there in your family or what are your preferences, right? So the concept of data minimalization has been introduced in this, which means that service providers have to only collect data that they need to to process certain functions or provide certain services, right? They can't collect anything and everything. And secondly, it has also defined the timeline for which this data should be stored by them. For example, if there is a service provider which, which is processing your data for a limited purpose, then after that purpose is over, they should not keep that data with themselves, right? So they should be delete that data. Another very important point which stands out is that you can ask for erasure of your data. For example, if you realize that you have given some very important data to a service provider and you don't want that service provider to keep that data with them anymore, the purpose has been met, you can just get that data erased. So some of these things are great, these provisions are great, but now what we'll have to see is that how they're implemented. Because the key challenge of this bill will lie in the implementation, the government's ability to follow through uh, some of these norms that it has set. Right. I'll come to the implementation bit in just a bit. But uh, I have another question, which is the very critical area of AI, like our colleague and my TMB co-host, Dia Reiki, recently wrote about, which has not been explored uh, enough, it said, in the bill. What are your thoughts and what's really happening there? See, it's a very interesting point, uh, Anirban, because... If you look at what is happening in other jurisdictions like Europe and US, everybody is sort of fumbling with how to tackle this new phenomenon called AI. And Europe has an AI act in, in the works. US is also looking at some regulations. Countries like Italy have all, already sort of gone ahead and banned some of those things. Now, they are doing this because they have privacy laws for a long time. Um, and they need to come up with separate regulation to monitor or regulate AI. But India, for that matter, is just coming up with the privacy regulation. So what the experts had argued was that when it comes to some of the harms that AI can have on the users, then maybe it was an opportunity for India to define those, to have provisions that would have contained those harms even in this bill itself. We should not have wasted this opportunity waiting for another two years, three years when the Digital India Bill comes up or another separate regulation is formed and that will take its own sweet time to define what could be some of the broad principles to govern AI. We should have just mm -hmm. taken this opportunity to right now, here and here then, to just define the do's and don'ts because as all of us know, the potential of AI to generate misinformation, to generate fake news, fake videos, nudes and things like that is humongous. So it has a huge bearing on the privacy of users, right? So some of those aspects could have been covered. But I spoke to both Ashwini as well as Rajiv Chandrasekhar 
uh, the MOS or IT on this. And their view was that the Digital India Bill, which is going to replace the IT Act, will cover some of these aspects. So it's work in progress. Also, in some way, this the Data Protection Bill has said that it will not allow AI tools to scrape the internet for personal information of users. So that may in some way limit how much the AI tools are able to feed in their own algorithms. Mm. But again, the, the privacy harm, the user harm, which can be created because of misinformation on AI, that has not been addressed in my view. Right. Maybe it will be addressed in the coming weeks and months, which brings me to my last question, actually. What are the aspects you think will become clearer once the rules are actually implemented? Sure, sure. So I think that's a very uh, good question and a very important point that while, you know, it has taken us so many years to finally have a data protection bill, now the way this bill is implemented is something is going to be very, very important. We have a very short time to kind of, you know, implement this bill because companies will also take maybe one year or two year time frame to co- to co- fully comply with it. Like if you take GDPR's example, companies were given two years to comply with the bill. Similarly, will happen here. There's a data protection board which will be constituted, uh, members will be appointed and things like that. So all of that is a very, very time-taking process, but the government has to act fast on it because I guess we can't waste any more time on it. So some of the points that I will be at least keenly awaiting clarity on and the industry is also very keenly looking forward to is that, you know, in terms of the data protection board, how does that get constituted? Because one of the concerns was about the independence of this board. So the government has to take care of that particular aspect and constitute the board, obviously, as soon as possible, because I guess we can't waste any more time on it. Clarity is awaited on this entire consent framework, which has been introduced that for everything you will need a consent, right? So now how will that function? Uh, While it's a great provision to ensure privacy, it can't be too onerous and cumbersome on the companies that it starts hindering their business, right? So all those areas is where, you know, uh, we need clarity. Secondly, this particular provision, which I spoke about earlier that, you know, the government can ban companies if there have been two or more instances of a breach. So that's something. The parental consent for children, that is another area because, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and we didn't talk about it, but I'll just touch upon it very quickly, is that uh, India has set, in, set the age for children as 18, which is much above the global norm. And uh, companies like Facebook and Google's YouTube have a lot of users who are below the age of 18, right? Because the age to sign up on some of these apps is 13. So users who are between 13 and 18 years of age will have to provide parental consent, which means that they'll have to provide some kind of an ID of children as well as their parents. Now, those are some of the areas which which could get very messy if they are not spelled out properly. So everybody is awaiting clarity of rules on these aspects. Um, Mr. Vaishnav, when we spoke to him, said that uh, the rulemaking is going to be simple, concise, and it's not going to be too many documents and too many layers. It's going to be one small, uh, simple document which will cover everything. So, uh, looking forward to that now. In a nutshell, you and your team will have loads to write about in the weeks and months to come, right? Absolutely. So at least it's not another data bill that we'll be writing about. So that's a great positive. <laughs> right. Thanks a bunch, Surbi. It was really great talking to you, Anupan. Thank you for having me on the show. That's it for today. You were listening to this special episode on The Morning Brief. It was produced by Anupriya Nair and sound designed by Indranil Bhattacharya. Executive producers, Anupriya, Arjit Barman and myself. Do like, share and subscribe if you like this episode. Morning Brief drops every Tuesday, Thursday 
and Friday. Keep listening. Thank you and have a good remainder of the weekend.